Rome once fell, and all great civilizations do. Is America falling? Could we be doing more? Some say it's because we have stopped focusing on learning and understanding what it means to be a good citizen. That's what this podcast is all about. If civics is dead, what happens next? Welcome to Civics is Dead. I'm Cindy Schwartz. We continue our look at educators with boots on the ground in today's second episode of season two. Previously on episode one, we highlighted the work of first grade teacher Antoinette Hetsopoulos from Glen Cove, New York, noting the passion she brings to her first graders each and every day and how she is committed to incorporating social studies, American history, and civics education into her daily lessons in an interdisciplinary fashion. We wondered if teaching American history, government, and civics can be done effectively in this way, or whether it would be wiser to devote dedicated class time to a deeper dive into American history and government structure, so as to ensure that even our youngest kids are given a solid foundation in the concepts of American democracy. Many teachers like Antoinette Hetsopoulos find marrying American history and civics with reading, science, and technology, for example, can be done effectively without hindering children's knowledge and respect for our country's past. Today's episode looks at the other side of a child's educational spectrum by focusing on college education practices with regards to the teaching of American history, government, and civics. It might seem like a big jump but we need to do it to see if there is a continuum or not. Taking the jump will also help shed light on what is being taught or not taught on the secondary school level to prepare our students for higher education. When it comes to teaching civics, are colleges our friend or our foe? I am the darker Brother, they send me to eat in the kitchen when company comes, but I laugh, and I eat well, and I grow strong. Tomorrow, I'll sit at the table when company comes. Nobody will dare say to me, eat in the kitchen then. Besides, they'll see how beautiful I am and be ashamed. I, too, am America. That was Denzel Washington as college professor Melvin Tolson at Wiley College in 1935 in Texas. And I just love how he is reading and reciting Langston Hughes poetry. And I wonder how many students know who Langston Hughes is. Do Americans in general know? Can American students even place the poetry of Langston Hughes into the proper time frame of the Harlem Renaissance of the 1920s? How could a student know how vital studying the 20s are and how similar our current political, economic, and social climate is to that time if it is a time that is not studied in depth? And young children can certainly understand the concept of nativism and xenophobia that was prevalent during the 1920s and to some degree swirling around today in contemporary American life. Would our college students be able to even make that comparison between the 1920s and today? We wonder. Well, that leads us to the subject of today's episode, a talk with another boots-on-the-ground educator, this time a college professor, Dr. Molly Tamborm, 
full-time professor at Long Island University, Brookville, New York. During the fall 2019 semester, Dr. Tambor was responsible for teaching more classes than is generally prescribed for full-time professors. Full-time professors at LIU typically teach three courses each semester, and Dr. Tambor is teaching five classes. These classes include 1750 to the present in world history, first-year seminar, History of Policing in Modern European Countries, 1840s to Today, Senior Thesis, Human Rights and Citizenship, and Foundational Skills for First-Year Seminar Students. So like we always like to do on our show, we want to make sure we have a little bio on people that we are interviewing to get their perspective and to understand where they have been and how they got to where they are. So when we spoke to Dr. Molly Tambor, I found out that she had a very unfocused undergrad career in college. She really wasn't quite sure what she would do or major in. She did study her junior year abroad in Italy. She attended UMass at Amherst. She received a PhD later on in history at Columbia. So as we see, she became more focused as time went on. She loves the wide-ranging research professors are able to do. Professors can be scholars and teachers at the same time. Much harder for a secondary school teacher to accomplish that, and she recognizes that. In 1998, her first teaching job was at UMass in Amherst. And then we talked about her typical teaching day. And as I said before, a full-time teacher at LIU teaches three courses each semester. Her undergrad classes meet two times per week for one hour and 20 minutes, and her grad classes meet one time per week for two hours and 40 minutes. And then we spoke a little bit about what a work week was like in addition to that. Professors work easily through 40 hours per week. Besides teaching, they have office hours, prep for lectures, advance their own scholarly research, write, they have meetings, and professors at LIU and generally across the country are granted tenure in their seventh year. There's a tenure portfolio they have to put together, which includes publications, committee memberships. LIU professors, where Dr. Tambor teaches, are members of the American Federation of Teachers, the AFT. Apparently, most private university professors are not unionized, and there is nothing prescribed in the contract about how a teacher spends his or her hours as a professor outside of teaching. So there is more freedom in some regards for a college teacher as opposed to a secondary teacher. What I loved next was our discussion about the joys of teaching. And what Dr. Tambor said, which she absolutely loves, she loves the energy of the classroom, she loves to see progress in her students, and she especially loves to encourage her students to go higher and to see them get there. Anybody know who Willie Lynch was? Anybody? Raise your hand. He was a vicious slave owner in the West Indies. The slave masters in the colony of Virginia were having trouble controlling their slaves, so they sent for Mr. Lynch to teach them his methods. Keep the slave physically strong, but psychologically weak and dependent on the slave master. Keep the body, take the mind. I and every other professor on this campus are here to help you to find, take back, and keep your righteous mind. So that was Denzel Washington again playing a professor. And what I love about that little clip is that he's talking about how students 
have righteous minds and how his job as a professor is to make sure that they keep that righteous mind. And he wants to encourage that always. And of course, so does Dr. Molly Tambor, who we interviewed for today's episode. And again, Dr. Tambor loves encouraging her students to go higher, but she also loves that they teach her things that she didn't know. And that always is enlightening and uh, wonderful for her. I then asked her about the challenges of teaching on the college level, which is, of course, what today's episode is about, is to really dive into that. Most students, she said, are not interested in taking history on the college level. And she's noted that. She says taking history is part of the core requirement for all students at LIU. And later in today's episode, we will see that that is not true at many universities. She says that students come into her class claiming, and I quote, I'm bad at history. I can't remember names and dates. And of course, that saddens us because history is so much more than just names and dates. Of course, that's important. She also says that students have had bad experiences with assessments in the past. And as we have been talking about throughout our entire series on Civics is Dead, is that assessments are quite difficult for students and teachers alike. She also said that it's very important, she feels, to have students see the study of history as not just the study of events, but a study of interpretation. And she said that students are highly uncomfortable or inexperienced in taking a stand. And that is what college needs to teach them. You're listening to a podcast from LIU Studios. If you like what you're hearing, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to this show on your podcast app of choice. For more of our programs or to support LIU Studios, visit wcwp.org. My name is Robert. I moderate a program that I like to think is inquisitive, unusual, provocative, informative. It's called Seldom Said. It's a place where things are spoken of and discussed. They're usually not given a wide audience, yet things that are important, things that affect our lives. It's a world in flux. Be ahead of the curve. Be with us on Seldom Said. Visit wcwp.org slash seldom said to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. We continued our talk, Dr. Tambor and I, and I asked her about other areas of education that she's involved in. And she said that she once served as a participant on a college board panel and feels that the college board and other standardized assessments must move from testing fact-based information to more analysis. College readiness, she said, is a challenge for many students. Some freshmen are accomplished writers, while many are not. And again, she stressed over and over again, students read for summary, but they are not great at reading for in-depth analysis. Come on in. What's all this? Different things, different days. People who inspire me, artists I admire, editorials I don't. So you came to see me. You gave me a C. I'm kind. The assignment was to write about Bruegel. That's what I did. No, what you did was to copy Strauss. I was referencing an expert. If I wanted to know what he thought, I'd buy his book. Miss Watson, with all due respect... <sighs> Bruegel was a storyteller. 
find the stories, break them down into smaller pieces, you might actually enjoy it. You're giving me another chance? So it seems. That was Julia Roberts from a film called Mona Lisa Smile. And if you haven't seen it, she plays an art professor in that film. And I just love how she challenges her student to dive deeper. She doesn't accept that her student did the work that her student said she did. And in addition, she challenges her student to understand that her student did not really address the assignment. And so when we spoke with Dr. Molly Tambor about, again, what teaching history is like on a college level, she had certainly some of the same comments, but again, loves the enthusiasm of her students and understanding that they are coming to history in college, not having loved it in high school. And so Dr. Tambor faces challenges in teaching history to her college-age students. She loves what she does. She adores the enthusiasm of her students, but has found that when they have entered her class, they have not had very positive experiences with history. And they could certainly benefit, she says, from more historical writing and interpretive analysis of sources. Future episodes will address how to improve history education for sure. But for now, we continue to focus on the reality of history education on the college level and how colleges may be helping to feed the illness. The illness being that our college students, our future voters, are not receiving the deep understanding of American history, government, and civics that is needed for our citizenry to be active, knowledgeable, and critical thinkers in our democracy. Remember, our future as a democratic free nation relies on an educated citizenry. And I must state before we move on to a very interesting finding in 2016, that currently where Dr. Tambor teaches, there are two full-time professors of history in the history department. That is all. There is one adjunct, and there is not one professor that is an American history teacher full-time. And that is important to note for what we look at now. In 2016, the ACTA, which stands for the American Council of Trustees and Alumni, an organization founded in 1995 to fully support liberal arts education, high academic standards, the free exchange of ideas on college campuses, and the opportunity for college students to receive a, quote, philosophically rich, high-quality college education at an affordable price, shared the results of a survey of 75 top colleges listed by U.S. News and World Report. The ACTA wondered if history majors at American colleges were required to take classes in United States history. Well, one would assume yes. However, of the 75 colleges surveyed, only 23 institutions required U.S. history as a requirement for history majors. That means that less than one-third of America's top colleges required its history majors to take classes in United States history. And so we wonder, since research is showing that the teaching of social studies, American history, and civics is decreasing at the elementary school level, what is happening on the other end of the spectrum? If we are not teaching American history and civics deeply at the foundational level of education for our youngest citizens, how can our democracy survive if we are also not requiring students to learn the fundamentals of American government, history, and civic responsibilities at a higher level, the level of college education, 
where they are far more developmentally able to understand and conceptualize democratic ideals and obligations. Therefore, the question of the day remains. When it comes to civics education, are colleges our friend or our foe? I would like at this time to take a moment and to relate to our listeners the liberal arts colleges that do not require history majors to take United States history. There are many. Williams College, Amherst, Swarthmore, Pomona, Wesley, Carlton, Davidson, Haverford, Vassar, Smith, Washington and Lee, Wesleyan, Colby, Grinnell, McAllister, Oberlin, Bates, Bryn Mawr, Kenyon. Now these are the national universities that do not require history majors to take U.S. history. Harvard, Yale, Stanford, University of Chicago, MIT, Duke, University of Pennsylvania, California Institute of Technology, John Hopkins, Dartmouth, Northwestern, Brown, Cornell, Vanderbilt, Washington University, St. Louis, Rice, Notre Dame, University of Maryland, University of Minnesota, Georgetown, Emory, Carnegie Mellon, University of Southern California, University of Michigan, University of North Carolina, University of California at Santa Barbara, University of California at Arvine, University of California at Davis, University of Wisconsin, Ohio State, University of Washington. So we have listed an enormous number of schools that are not requiring their history majors to take United States history classes. Now, this is very important. Those schools that are requiring it are schools like the U.S. Naval Academy and the U.S. Military Academy, and that makes sense, and there are others. But I would like to note with you now that the ACTA that did this survey, after recounting the sad results of this survey, which clearly tells us that even history majors aren't required to take courses in American history, stated this, and I quote, those who do not know the history of the nation are, of course, much more likely to view its constitutional freedoms with nonchalance. Such important, challenging, and foreboding words. We must take heed. People will be nonchalant about the government of this country if they don't take classes in our history to understand where we've been so they can know where we are going. Additionally, out of the 23 schools that did require American history courses as a requirement for history majors, 11 of those schools allow courses that are narrow in scope. So, for example, at the University of Connecticut and Middlebury College, respectively, courses like hip-hop politics and youth, youth culture in America, or mad men and mad women courses can satisfy the requirement for an American history class. The courses sound engaging. They sound so interesting, and they are timely. But what about mandatory courses and how American government functions and the values of the founding fathers? What about mandatory courses on the American Revolution, the Civil War, Reconstruction, famous court cases? That is not happening for the most part in our college universities. And so therefore, we need to wonder, we need to wonder what is going on. That delta x equals the square root of 0.077a squared minus zero, from which we derive the square root of 0.077a squared. And also, the uncertainty in p is equal to the square root of bracket p squared minus bracket p squared 
which also equals the square root of h over a squared, which lets us delta x, delta p equals the square root of 0.077 a squared, h over a squared, and 1.74 h bar, okay? The uncertainty principle. It proves we can't ever really know what's going on. Such a wonderful little clip that we just heard from the film A Serious Man. We need to be certain about our past. And I love how he says in that little clip, what are we certain about? Well, we need to be certain about our past as Americans. The ACTA president in 2016, Michael Polyakov, claimed that this historical illiteracy will lead to a civics disempowerment. And interestingly enough, Duke University, for example, said, and I quote, and this comes from the Duke University history chair, John Jeffries Martin. And he said also in 2016 that universities must keep the global picture in mind. This is part of the reason why American history is not being taught on the university level the way it used to be. There is a feeling that if American history is taught, it is encouraging American exceptionalism and that we are not acknowledging the diversity in the world and studying global history as much. But this Duke history chairman said, Duke, and I quote here, Duke does not require its history majors to take U.S. history. He said his hunch is that most do a significant amount of their coursework in U.S.-related subjects regardless. But it's a hunch he has. He doesn't know if that's for sure. And as we come to the end of our time together today, it is interesting to note that a more conservative viewpoint has been articulated by an organization called Intellectual Takeout. And they certainly have information that you can research, but they made an interesting point that I thought I would end with. And the point is this. In April of 2015, Amazon, their best-selling book in the United States was not a Booker Prize or a Nobel Prize or a Pulitzer Prize book. It was an adult coloring book by Joanna Basford. The American Art Therapy Association publicly endorsed the use of coloring books for pleasure and self-care. We cannot dispute that coloring is truly relaxing. And in a fast-moving age like we live in, stress is palpable. And certainly that might help. But certainly, let's not relax until each American can recite, intellectually know, and understand their Bill of Rights. Then we can rest and color. Thank you for joining us today on Civics is Dead. On our next episode, we hear directly from college students themselves. How do they feel about how they have been educated in terms of American history, government, and civics? You do not want to miss their take on this. Please be sure to subscribe to Civics is Dead on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Or visit wcwp.org slash civics is dead. I wish you a beautiful day and great peace in your life.